You're listening to the Modern Producer Podcast, expert talk on livestock housing and animal husbandry. Get ready for today's episode. Welcome to the Modern Producer Podcast. I'm Tim Kerbis. Got a good friend of ours uh, as a guest here today, uh, Jeff Morton. Hey, Tim. He, uh, Jeff actually kind of used to work for us. He actually thinks he used to work for us. I suppose he did. <laughs> I like um, to think I was productive. Um, uh, Jeff is actually now with uh, NEDAP, so we just invited him over to have a conversation uh, somewhat about uh, um, ESF in general or uh, electronic self-feeding, group housing, uh, what, what have you. Um, so let's just start maybe, uh, Jeff, uh, let's get the ball rolling. Uh, you tell people a bit of your story. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Um, I guess my star story as it relates to livestock world uh, started, I met Tim back in, I think, 09 and uh, became friends with Tim. And I was running a business here in Sioux Falls on the construction side of things and not involved prior to that in livestock at all. Um, my dad had a small uh, sow farm, very small South Farm in Texas when I was young, but uh, nothing like uh, a serious producer for him. It was more of like a therapy. He was a hospital administrator and he said he could either drink for stress or raise pigs and he chose to raise pigs. So uh, my my exposure. I'm going to interrupt there because there's a lot of people who might take the other avenue these days. Drink rather. Right, 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 right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So whatever, whatever was working for him. Um, but he grew up on a farm in Laurel, Nebraska, and it was really hard to ever get the the farmer out of him, uh, even to this day. So, uh, but all that to say, my exposure to livestock and uh, certainly livestock at this level was um, almost none or very limited. I grew up outside of the Dallas Metroplex, and uh, you know, not a lot of uh, pig farmers down there in that part of the country. But um, met Tim in '09, and then. Uh, actually rented some office space from New Standard in their uh, previous location here and uh, started doing some contract work for New Standard, doing some drawings and some equipment schematics for them, uh, do CAD work and started providing that service to them. And um, then at one point started subcontracting some equipment installs. And uh, I guess that's where my real exposure to the the kind of work we do today first started. And then in 2012, uh, started working for New Standard full-time as a sales manager. And uh, they gave me a pretty pretty clear-cut objective and asked me to make at least a three-year commitment. And the objective was to uh, expand a particular customer base. Their customer base at that time was uh, limited pretty much to... Uh, one demographic and they wanted to expand beyond that. So that's what they brought me on board for. And uh, that experience led me to uh, marketing the NEDAP products. Uh, it's a big part of what New Standard does. Uh, new NEDAP is a big part of what they do. Um, the the much bigger picture, obviously y'all do a lot more than just NEDAP, but- Boy, your Texas came out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so did the uh, marketing for New Standard for three years and then got out of the industry, actually, 
for a few years and moved back to Texas just for some uh, family issues and things going on in my personal life. Uh, took me out of the industry and Tim had warned me all along that if I was in the industry two years, I would be locked in and trapped forever. I may move lateral or upward or downward, but I would be trapped in the industry forever. So just when I thought I had made it out clean, uh, NEDAP contacted me and asked me if I would be interested in being their U.S. sales manager. And we opened a dialogue and uh, a couple months later, I took that position. So that's where I am now. And I can say that having worked with New Standard, New Standard has, you know, I'm not, pardon the pun, but they have very high standards and use only the best. And um, I was very much aware of NEDAP and their products and knew that their research and development and uh, the quality of their products and so forth is just far, far above any of the competition. And uh, I knew it was somewhere I could work and be proud. And uh, so here I am back in the industry now. And a lot has changed in the last few years since I left. But uh, it's been really good to get back. And uh, it was like I'd been doing it the whole time. Fortunately, I was able to hit the ground running and uh, a lot of good connections still and that kind of thing. But I've really enjoyed being back. So anyway, you said... Uh um, you, you stated, Jeff, that you've seen the industry change a lot, I guess, as, uh, as you've stepped out for a few years. What are the biggest changes you've seen? I think from uh, I'll, I'll address it from a couple of different ways, one from the market perspective and then also from the technology side of things. And then I guess those two are kind of linked. But um, from the from the market standpoint, when we first started, uh, you started, you know, back in the oh nine or so in the u.s and i started in 2012 the evolution of sow housing was really um in very early stages in the u.s at that point there was pretty substantial resistance still at that time uh to the point of people in conferences standing up and shouting you'll never take our stalls away we're not going to go to open housing and that kind of thing um and certainly in the last few years that's that's come a lot further and really a lot faster even than I expected. And I think there are a few things contributing to that, but one of them is, uh, I think the consumers, uh, demands wanting to know where their meat comes to put it simply, for example, and then just, uh, you know, the next generation of producers coming on board too. We've seen that with new standard and NEDAP customers, even where the next generation has taken the baton and, uh, just the mindset has shifted. And, um, you know, ultimately, New Standard is able to demonstrate with NEDAP equipment that um, all things being equal, production can certainly be matched or improved. So um, even beyond animal welfare benefits and things like that, really, it all comes down to production and, you know, larger profits. From the equipment side of thing, uh, things, I know uh, NEDAP has, has moved forward on adding more things into their system for the sows like the weigher now, um, which is something that New Standard was working on a few years ago when I left. Um, but the uh, the software in general and everything going to a cloud-based service and everyone having access to the blockchain is the big buzzword now, but it's becoming a very real thing. Again, people want to know where their food comes from. So the, the meat processor and the nutritionist, veterinarians, uh, genetics companies and everybody having access to that information in the cloud and being able to capture all that data. So NEDAP's doing a really good job of capturing that data. 
it's not up to us to figure out what to do with it, but we're able to capture it and store it and give people access to more information. You kind of led to something there. I always struggle with the term. Uh, uh, There's a lot to intake right there, but in very basic sense, what is blockchain to a dummy like me who really doesn't work on that side of things? So I would say in its simplest term, blockchain could be described as a digital ledger, uh, which would be different than a facsimile or a copy of information. It's not just the same information shot out to various people. It's like, you know, one ledger where different people are making entries and it's only changed by that entry and always updated. So you always have the latest version, but really it's just one digital ledger that multiple people have access to. Sure. So is that your definition or did you, uh, uh, it's a good definition. I'm sure so. I learned it somewhere. <laughs> I didn't invent it. <laughs> I can't take credit, but, but, uh, I think that may be the analogy I came up with, but, um, but I think that's what it is in simplest terms. I think it was really, um, uh, you know, the, the, the terminology came from cryptocurrency is where it started, sure. uh, but the same thing applies here where the point is all of this data that we're able to capture in, in swine and in uh, dairy as well, uh, we can get up in the cloud to that digital ledger. And then these other entities have access to it as prescribed by the producer that owns the information. Sure. So there's still a lot of security in that, in that data then. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Do you see a lot of people, um, uh, wanting that yet, or where's the push primarily coming from to, to have that, uh, ability? So it's it, truthfully, this seems like an easy answer, but it seems like everybody's kind of rising up to that together as far as, uh, nutritionists, you know, the feed mill, the, the veterinarians, genetics companies, uh, genetics companies in particular, maybe lead the pack on that, uh, just because they want as much information day to day from that farm as they can get. To, sure. to continue to create the best genetics. Just for the farmer in that respect, then the guy who's actually having to pay for the equipment, having to pay the subscription fees, where's the revenue stream? Sure, the, the genetics companies want it, the feed companies want it. How does it pay for itself? I would say one way is the um, overall production. If everybody's working together and the genetics company are making a better product and the veterinarians providing better service, um, ultimately for the producer, that's going to come back in production. I would say maybe not as tangible. So it's um, kind of nebulous in that sense, not tangible. Correct. Like you say, it's, there's no direct where the genetics companies say, you've got data that's useful to us as a company and we'll give you correct. something for it. From a veterinarian's perspective, for example, um, it may save him a lot of trips going into a barn, for example, showering in to get information or look at things on their computer and that kind of thing where he could do things like that from his office. And I guess that could be said across the board. I, th I think a big piece of it is going to be the consumer. Ultimately, when the consumer says, where did this meat come from? And we'll be able to say, you know, in the life of this sour, even in the life of a, of a finisher pig that goes to market, we can tell you what that pig had to eat every day, what, what shots it got antibiotics, if any, and the consumer in the end will be able to know where that meat came from. So do you see a lot of packing houses, processors at all 
buying into this in, in real life or is it still kind of um, it's there, everybody's talking about it, but are people actually using it yet? It's there and people are talking about it. And just, I would say, in the very, very early stages of using it in the U.S., but it's definitely at the top of the conversation. Cool. So what other changes have you seen? I think from NEDEP's perspective, the other thing that's changed is um, in the U.S. back in like 2015, their presence was almost exclusively in ESF, in sow production. So let's just make sure that we don't confuse anybody who happens to stumble upon us babbling here, ESF being electronic cell feeding. Yes, correct. And in, in large group housing as opposed to sows being in stalls. Um, so that focus has certainly shifted both in research and development and the products being either developed or pushed along in the last few years where we have, uh, gone into everything from Pharaoh to finish. So the entire lifespan of a pig and all phases of it, we have components and equipment to again, capture that data. NEDAP is an RFID technology company. That's what we do. So uh, the steel and plastic is really all secondary. It's kind of a vehicle for the technology that Correct. you produce. Then. It all comes down to that RFID sure. and that antenna. Um, the RFID itself is still a component in the ultimate data collection, if you will, because right. data is going to be the money. Right. It's all applied well, but ultimately the data is where yep. the real money is. And obviously the, that said, the software is the biggest part of it. And frankly, what we do best. Can't argue with that. So going back, Jeff, to a bit about talking, uh, what you had said about the evolution or the things that you saw, given that you were looking at it from the outside for a while, um, uh, is one of those interesting things we've seen. Um, it's almost like the five stages of grief, if you will, on, in terms of, of accepting the shift. Uh, there has been a, uh, I would almost say a truly a generational shift uh, where it, it almost took some new blood uh, to get people to accept it. And it's odd how, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, Europe had to go through the same thing uh, in, in a sense where they, they fought it and then they, the early adopters jumped on it. And, and then you had those, that, the, that second wave of people who did it, not because they thought it was the right idea. Uh, they did it because they felt they had no other option and, and therefore it doesn't always lead to the best business decisions, if you will. Um, quite honestly, the North American market almost mirrors that kind of um, approach and that kind of evolution that, that we, was seen in Europe, if you will. Um, and then it's not like there aren't multiple options and then there's other quality options. We obviously are rather biased ourselves have, having, you know, uh, sold meat up for so many years, but um, it, it's, it's, it is an interesting thing, the, the evolution where in, in 09, you're, <clears throat> excuse me, you're right. There was some pretty angry people at some of the conferences while at the same time we had producers that were saying, let's do this thing and let's do it right. Uh, so we've come a long way since then. That's, that's no doubt about it. So do you think right now we're more in that stage that you mentioned of the, I think you kind of looked at it as like the, the second phase where right now we still have some early adapters, obviously, who want to do things right and do it well. And um, 
do you think that it, we're about in that stage where there's still a lot of people who are kind of feeling like it's going this way? So, I mean, I think I hear that sometimes like, well, this is the direction it's going to go ultimately. So if I'm going to make a change, I might as well do it now kind of thing, but not really all we're, we're excited saying, about it. I guess. Yeah. We're seeing some late stages of that. Um, there, it's been happening for a few years already uh, where people have said, well, I really have no choice. I have to do it. Uh, so you still see those. Um, we're starting to see actually a second wave of people. And I think maybe this is where the new blood is starting to come in uh, a second wave of, of clients who are looking at and saying, we've seen now almost 10 years of it uh, and then to some extent maybe a little bit less than that because it really didn't start till like the real conversion in the u.s specifically didn't really start until maybe 11 or 12 you start to uh, started to see some of that but some of these are now we're getting to the point where there is um uh, potential clients of ours that are saying we've seen people do it and we've seen people do it rather unsuccessfully and we don't want to be them. And there's even some clients who have actually built barns that are struggling and, and struggling in a, in a fairly uh, big way. And they're saying, we've got to do it better next time, you know, for the next, for the future, for the next project, what's the best way to do it? And then I think uh, a lot of what, uh, this is why we do what we do. And a lot of what we engage in is you can buy good equipment from different places i'm not we we sell need up and we believe it is really good equipment but it's not the only option it's just a really good option but it isn't about the equipment ultimately with all you know due respect to to all the equipment companies if you don't focus first on the animal and understand what she needs it's it, it's you're likely not going to be successful in uh, no matter what you put in it has to be about the animal and i think that's what we're starting to see is um maybe a little bit more attention being paid to um it's not about the equipment it's 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 much more than that the equipment is only a factor in in part of what we're doing. So I, um, I would say we're actually maybe in, in entering into another phase of, of some positivity, if you will, about approaching it, not so much about what equipment do I buy, but what system serves my animals the way they need to be served. Right. Yeah. And I would agree with you on the, the point about you know, it's not just the equipment and NEDAP's perspective is exactly the same. We know, um, and we've seen, you know, real world examples, Tim, you know, that, um, where, where one producer to producer a will say, uh, does a design and, and uses our equipment and, um, has, you know, really global, uh, targets on their numbers and their production. I mean, they're, they're, they're noticed globally on how well they are. And then producer B can build the exact same identical layout and use the exact same equipment and just have a complete disaster. Sure. Uh, well, based it's on, on, it's unfortunate. You're right. It's, yeah. it's if, if I, uh, <clears throat> I've always said, I guess I suppose if you don't understand the why you'll never really get to the how, because right. the, the, the why it has to inform you. And if you're, if you're just trying to replicate somebody else's success without understanding why they're successful, it's not about a floor plan. It right. really has nothing or to the do equipment or the equipment that's yeah. in the floor plan. It really has nothing to do with it. The concepts are, are much 
deeper than that. Yeah. There, there's a, there's concepts, and then and uh, we could really talk all day about what Sal needs to make her social um, environment work properly for and ultimately productive. Yeah, and, whereby uh, so I'd, I'd suggest we don't get me going because we might just babble all day <laughs> if we do that. But uh, yeah. maybe a different day. Uh, but I would say to make this disclaimer that uh, those particular examples, like uh, producer A, I mentioned, does need that equipment and and does need the help of new standard on design and well, implementation and everything to make it work. So you still need quality equipment. Yeah. You can't be fixing stuff every day or every other day. Um, and certainly, you'd expect your equipment to last for a number of years and and, and be the most robust equipment it can be. Right. Uh, Sales aren't easy on equipment. So it shouldn't start cheap in the first place. Right. Good point. Having said that, you can have a good producer take poor equipment and have good production. Figure it out. Yeah. 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 Yep. Agree. He just might need to replace it sooner or he might get frustrated because his maintenance costs are too high or he has to do more labor because it's not the right equipment, but he'll still get it done. Yeah. Or or he can't get his data in the cloud. Yeah. <laughs> or you take on that flip side, you take a producer who's not either fully engaged or doesn't buy in, but did it anyway, mm-hmm. which unfortunately you think that you're doing a multi-million dollar investment. You should really perhaps buy <laughs> into what you're doing. If, <laughs> if you're going to spend the money, maybe right. spend it on something you can buy into. But we've seen it happen. I hate to say it, but we've seen it happen. This is that either it's at a mid-level uh, where, where some people weren't buying in and, and they were let work the system anyway, or maybe it even went up higher than that. Um, it does create some challenges. I'm not trying to badmouth anybody. It's, it's just, it's surprising, you know? Yeah, for sure. And unfortunately, like you said, you, you see that out there, but um, all of that's part of the overall marketplace's learning curve, I guess. <laughs> Growing pains. We, uh, we we started talking about the evolution and we kind of got <laughs> off track on that. Uh, you know, the, the, it has uh, actually been a fun thing to to watch some of the uh, the evolution, uh, primarily because of where we position ourselves. We like to um, uh, work with producers who do buy in and producers who want to do it right. Uh, that that makes it quite a bit more rewarding, if you will, to actually um, work work in a lot of places where it's it's ultimately they need to make money. That's that's the bottom line. You need to be profitable, but you can be profitable while doing it right. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, on that note, uh, our customers are typically the forward thinking, uh, progressive type top producers. Um, I, I, that's why I was proud to be with new standard and proud to be with NEDAP because like Tim was saying, we're working with, you know, especially when I was here back starting in 2012, it was definitely all early adapters. And I don't know if you know this, Tim, but I used to actually tell my customers and prospects that we don't want all the customers. We just want the smart ones. So, (laughs) (laughs) but it was the truth. And I think it kind of worked because it, you know, we don't. Uh, it was true. We wouldn't want somebody that's not buying into it, and somebody that's fighting us every step of the way to do it right, and and that kind of thing. So I don't think we're really spilling any secrets to say that it's every company has to, you know, wean out or weed out, if you will, some of some customers who aren't a good fit. Right. Um, For sure. It's it's not. I don't think that's a big secret. We just no. try and do it right. Some customers need to be fired. 
speaking from construction experience. <laughs> the, the earlier, the better. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of that, um, customers doing the right thing and, you know, buying into the, to the, to the overall concept and everything. One of the things that's, uh, seems to be more in the discussion today, and it's always been in the discussion, but it seems to be more prevalent today. Um, as people are, more people are going towards group housing, you know, figuring out exactly how they're going to do it. Um, so there's, there's a little bit of, uh, discrepancies in exactly what group housing looks like and by definition what is true group housing and how many days that sells and install and so forth we we have a few customers that would love to weigh in on this one because there is a it's and then i'm more relating at this point what i've heard and and of course i have my own opinions i try to filter those somewhat but uh there is quite a bit of uh, there's a large difference between options and and styles of doing group housing Uh, and it does frustrate some of those customers who have bought in and who have adopted uh, a system that can do it as best they can and try to meet the needs of the animal Um, and and without going into a lot of fine details it's uh it is frustrating to them where they are um having their girls run in large groups and and well-working, well-designed social groups for a vast majority of their gestation period. And then there's other ones that, um, well, they go into a a group uh, for a lot less time and they're held in stalls for longer. Uh, That frustrates a lot of our customers because they know there's a difference and they know they're doing it right. Uh, in their mind, uh, and then I can't say that I disagree with them, uh, they would love to see the industry start to put some definition on the different options or the different ways of doing things. Uh, not that they, um, not that they even have a problem with anybody doing it different than they're doing it. They would just like to be defined differently. They would like to be able to set themselves apart, if you will. What would you say? like from a, a number of days perspective for a, for a, a sow in the gestation period, like what's the maximum number of days you've seen in a stall in that overall 114 days, let's say, um, versus the, the top producer that's actually doing it. Well, now you're just, best. Throwing, now you're just throwing me a softball, aren't you? <laughs> I, uh, I, I mean, I haven't been in every barn and I'm not going to, uh, you know, start again, uh, trying to uh, badmouth anyone's system, but uh, there's different ways of doing it, if you will. Uh, some some producers will go in about four days after insemination, so they help, help hold the girls in the stalls long enough to, uh, to breed them, um, and then they put them back in large groups. And as a matter of fact, there's even some um, uh, more niche market systems that we work with that they don't hold them in a stall at all. As a matter of fact, they, they just for the safety of the animal, they confine them for an hour or two to, um, to do the breeding, and then they're back into a larger open pen, if you will. Uh, and then there's other options where they'll anywhere from 35, 42, and even sometimes a bit longer uh, days in a stall, uh, which is which is another option that, uh, that some guys choose to use. So as I say, the, 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 the biggest difference is either an option of four days after breeding or about 42 days. So, breeding. I mean, in reality, if you look at that, though, during that gestation period, um, in, in the one case they can be in a stall, you know, relatively close to half the time. 
Um, I think it works out more to about a third, but who's really doing the math? It's, it's yeah, roughly in that, in that time frame. Um, uh, you know, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I come off the farm myself. I uh, didn't actually ever see myself doing exactly what I'm doing today. I love what I'm doing, but I didn't, that's not what I saw myself when I was a 12 year old kid. If you would ask me, I was going to be on the farm all my life. Um, Life had other plans. That's great. Uh, but I still always go back to that as that I loved working with animals. I still love, love working with animals, kind of like working with equipment too. And pretty good at it, I think. Um, I, everything we do um, is trying to serve the needs of the animal first. That's kind of where our base is, is what's best for the animal. And I can say, having been in, in a number of different barns, um, just knowing what we've done with animals and and knowing how we can work with the sow specifically and, and her social needs. I love the fact, and I'm very proud of the fact that what we do is we get those animals back into a pen, which is essentially her home and where she wants to be. We get her back there as quick as we can. And we, we minimize the amount of time that she's confined um, because we've seen that through her her reactions and her production, that is really the way that she wants it to be. And, and again, um, something I've always said that, you know, from a, from a production standpoint, you asked earlier about how does this equate to, you know, the, and the, the bottom line for the producer and the bottom line is everything that you just said, focusing on the animal, keeping that animal content, um, you know, adjusting things around her behaviors and so forth. Um, all of that in the end equates to a happy pig is a productive pig. So in the end, production is better. Ultimately, yes. Uh, <clears throat> happy, if you will, or stress-free is maybe a better way of, of approaching it. Uh, stress is, is the biggest detractor from good production and, and multiple things will build on, on stress. Uh, and primarily, it, it, it really comes down to a social type of structure uh the the equipment is great and then and, and we can make it work well but if you don't understand how she views the equipment and how she approaches the pen and how she really even approaches being in a pen with a bunch of other animals um, it really comes down to understanding her needs and then building absolutely everything in the barn around her needs and you if you if you focus on that and, and ultimately try and just say, what can we do to reduce stress? And, and you have to understand first what can produce stress. But if you go, go about it with the mind of how do we pull the stress back as far as we can, you're going to have a production, a productive system. So uh, along that line, I'm just thinking, I know that new standards always been really good about taking experience from customer to customer and, and project to project, barn to barn. Uh, what did we learn from that? What can we learn from this producer um, and taking it to the next one in the last few years, what would you say has been the most exciting uh, change or evolution, if you will, that you've taken from one project and, and used it forward with the following customers? I don't know if I'd call it one specific thing. It's actually in the last, I would say, three to four years, um, it's been a real rewarding but incremental and cumulative type of 
effect of of the the growth in understanding of of how she reacts to her pen in a social way, um, starting to see some of the um, uh, understanding of of how she approaches the feeder and even and how she exists within the feeder when she's eating, understanding um, what it takes to to have her eat in a relaxed fashion, but also be willing to leave in a in a um, uh, um, in the schedule that's sufficient, but uh, doesn't in- impede uh, others from getting to the station. There's been about, I would say, if I went back and started making lists, and, uh, we, we'd probably look at 50 to 100 small little things that have just started to really come together to make this just this beautiful picture of, yeah, we can do this better and 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 so much better than we've even done. Even looking at us, how we did it ten years ago, um, I think we've just come light years in understanding what this what this sound needs. Yeah, and that's that's awesome to be able to take that you know animal behavior and let that dictate where you go from here. Well, it it, it kind of maybe isn't uh, always the. Um, normal approach. You don't see most people. I've gone through, and that's kind of fun for us. We've gone through meetings where we've we've approached the customer and we got to having a great conversation. And they're and they're like, yeah, this is exciting, and yeah, I love hearing what you're doing. And we go through a two to three hour meeting, and at the end of the meeting, one guy pipes up and he says, "So, can you tell us something about the equipment?" Because we've gone through it, and, it's, and, then that, and that's where I really just get excited is that we get to talking about what the girl needs and how to make this work for her. And you completely forget that, oh, right, yeah, we're, we're supposed to be selling equipment. Yeah, remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we never get too far from that. But I do, I do love that. Uh, it's fun that, that you can actually speak with, with uh, potential clients or even existing clients and have this kind of conversation. And, and, it's, and it's, it becomes a, a just almost a, a telling point that they, they trust you enough to have a conversation, assuming that you're going to sell them the right equipment and that's not the primary focus of the uh, of the of the conversation in general. Right. It's the overall design and philosophy, so, and how so are you going to make it work? Maybe yep. it's a weird thing to get giddy about, but I do get it. it kind of <laughs> makes it fun for me. I don't know. Well, it's an indicator, right? Yeah. I mean, it it shows that things are going in the right direction for you and the producer. So, well, just got to get more people to buy into that. Right. Well, shifting gears a bit, or maybe just. Uh, swinging back to a different topic because you had brought a bit of, uh, or a bit up about the future earlier, Jeff. So we're really, other than the um, the blockchain, uh, uh, if you want to really expand upon the whole Meetup story or what they expect or what they how they envision the future, um, where are things going? Well, I think it's definitely all headed to the data collection um, for sure. The the large integrators and the meatpacking processors um, are, are headed in that direction and, and getting really close to uh, a full on demand for that information. Um, and I think as quick as we can present it, uh, they're going to be there to grab it. But, you know, the one holdup may be producers uh, stalling that a bit because everybody still needs to get comfortable with the idea of sharing data and having data out there, so to speak. Um, but data is is the big buzzword over and over i mean that's what we hear from integrators and processors um again the consumer 
getting to that point uh, where they want to know more and more, um, you know, with every generation, more of a demand on where did my meat come from? Sure. And so what, we are going to get to the point where we know the name of each pig. Right. Right. Like the Portlandia, Portlandia episode where they uh, order chicken in a restaurant and get to know the name of the chicken and see a picture of the chicken and <laughs> the farm it grew up on. I suppose they have to watch the movie now. <laughs> So, um, yeah, we're, we're definitely not there yet, but there certainly is. I mean, the reality is people really are, uh, getting to the point where they want to know exactly where their meat's coming from and, you know, what antibiotics went into that animal, if any, uh, how was, how it was raised, you know, humanely and, and so on and so forth. But, um, so data collection, which is, is, is driving need up more, uh, into all aspects of, of sow production or pig production overall from, from farrowing to finish. So we have, um, equipment in the, uh, in the, in the sows, we already have a, a good presence in the market, uh, in the gestation period of the sows. We now have, um, compact feeders for the, um, lactation period, um, after the sow's farrow, uh, we have a uh, port tuner, which is a sorting system for finisher barns, which um, we're seeing customers save tremendous amounts of money on uh, avoiding penalties and so forth from the packing plants for, you know, animals being underweight, overweight, uh, taking penalties on that. They're able to to uh, sort them with more accuracy and also project to the packing house, uh, you know, how many animals will be coming and when and that kind of thing. And this is a good example of a packing house having access to information on those finishers barns. If they're able to, to tap in, if the producer gives them access, they can look and see, okay, we've got, you know, 400 animals coming from this producer in exactly two weeks. And this is the weight they'll be at. Um, so there's a lot of value in that. Uh, also in the in the breeding stalls, in the sow barns, uh, that same compact feeder, we can use it there and be able to capture that information, what she's eating, how much. And um, and, and back to the in the in the farrowing rooms when she's in the lactation period, uh, we've seen producers of ours take that uh, feeder and be able to really um push the levels of milk production and ultimately uh, wean a bigger pig in the end. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting to see all the things that are. Sure. <clears throat> I know NEEDUP has been focusing on some of the bigger picture with trying to bring some or, or bring equipment and, and basically data collection to every aspect of, of production. I think for me, one of the, the most exciting things completely somewhat removed from from the actual hardware is the is is the aspect of data collection where we can start uh, watching social behaviors given what we've been talking about with with understanding this this animal and, and how she interacts with her pen um, the the ability that is coming now to actually um, uh, monitor her movement, her activity through the pen, how she moves through the pen in any given day by tracking her on any uh, antenna that she registers uh, to to see how many times she visits a feeder and then how she consumes her feed uh, to how many or how she passes even time wise uh, through from a feed station through the exit of the feed station. What is her? Um, does she meander out? Does she rush out? And, and even her visits to uh, to, to see the old boy in the in the bore station, uh, 
starting to see all of that data come together is just it's exciting for me because I think we can learn a lot more about her needs in, in the pen and, and then help make the pens even better for her. Yep. And that to some extent, as, as you know, Tim Needap started in livestock in the on the dairy side of things. And to some extent, they kind of have uh, led the way on new ideas and new things um, in the 90 year history of NEDAP overall. But uh, one of the things that they're doing in dairy already is um, with the cattle is exactly what you're talking about, where they there's there's two collars. There's one on a leg and and then the, the collar around the neck. So there's two tags total, but it's essentially what they refer to as on the dairy side as uh, a Fitbit for cows. So it really, you know, they can look and see how many times did she stand up? How many times did she lay down? And then we also have location now in those barns where they can find that animal very specifically where it is at any given time within a couple Cow, of feet. I, I envy the dairy industry a bit. I suppose uh, cows don't tend to chew things off quite as much. And right. They actually have a neck. <laughs> right. So, so you can put a collar on them. Um, right. But uh, we'll get there with pigs. It just uh, takes a little bit more uh, development, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, for me, that's, uh, that's where I really get excited about is the, uh, the ability that we're going to have um, going forward to, uh, even with when you take the compound feeder in the fairwing um, and if we start uh, tying a, a trigger into the system you can start seeing um, the animal um, even demand her own feed and start uh, and then not just that she will trigger feed but you can start picking up a lot of indications of her behavior and indications of her um, needs and I and I would assume going forward that we'd actually start to learn a little bit more that will even help help her on a, a health standpoint to start watching for indicators that might say this animal is probably not feeling well and we can be even in front of that uh, with with giving her the care that she needs before she even realizes that she's sick. Yeah, it's interesting you say that uh, and mentioned the the, the fairween feeder. Um, we have a producer who is, is using those and has indicated to us that he noticed. Uh, so there's a trigger that'll that'll activate the feeder and it makes a, a bit of a noise, a bit of a rattle up and down you know, they push it to activate it. And he said with uh, all the guilts for sure, about 10 minutes before they farrow in every case, almost like setting a clock 10 minutes before they farrow, they'll start rattling like crazy. That trigger just playing with it, kind of going crazy with that trigger. Which is just awesome because that kind of tells them they're about to farrow. That's where Meetup is, is I think going to just outpace the market is their ability to, to collect and use and analyze that data far beyond what, I, I, there's other companies out there and great electronics, I'm sure, but I think NEDAP just has the leg up in in the R&D side of things to actually collect and use that data, which for us, it's an exciting time. I think we're just really at the forefront of starting to, to use some of this to the benefit of the animal, which when it comes back down to everything we talk about, if you benefit the animal, you're going to benefit production, which is going to benefit your profitability. Yep. It's, 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 it's very much a direct link. Yep. Well, I suppose that'll wrap up our conversation for today. I uh, guess I want to thank Jeff for stopping by to, to have this uh, little chat. So thanks for having me. It's been well, fun. It's been our pleasure. It's always good. I, I kind of do have fun talking about this. So why don't you go ahead and just 
plug meetup, we've been kind of doing that anyway, but go ahead and give your spiel to wrap it up. Absolutely. Um, yeah, if you're uh, making any changes or just curious, um, again, anything from Pharaoh to finishing anything, all sides of uh, pork production, uh, if you go to needapp.com and that's N-E-D-A-P, uh, just one E, needapp.com, uh, you can find out more about all that. And, and ultimately, if you're here in the U.S., it'll it'll link you and direct you to me. Again, thanks, Jeff, and everybody have a good day.